0: Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host, for Nick's Nerd. Yeah, 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 that's my best impression of what it's like to fight as a Power Ranger. What's up, guys? It is me, your host, Nick. This is Nick's Nerd News. It is episode 258. We have got an awesome, fun-filled, I guess, well, packed show. Fun-filled depends on your definition of fun. Uh, no, it's it's going to be a good one. we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, of course, obviously, the Power Rangers 30th anniversary. Anniversary special aired today, hence my, yeah, that sounds terrible. Um, <laughs> no, uh, for I, Horizon Forbidden West Burning Shores dropped today. I did play a, a bit of that, uh, I guess, I maybe halfway through from my understanding. Uh, for the main quests, there's some side quests as well. And we got the Mandalorian uh, season finale dropped today. We're going to talk about that. Uh, some new things happening in the movie world. Not a whole lot, surprisingly. It's a gaming and TV-heavy episode today. But, no movie reviews this week. We're gonna, uh, it's going to be a little while before our next movie review, obviously, just because nothing major is coming out right now. But, with that being said, I don't want to waste too much time talking about things before I actually talk to them. So, a little bit of housekeeping real quick. Thank you guys every week for listening, week in, week out. Of course, this is Nick's Nerd News. You guys can listen to us on all major streaming platforms. Uh, You're probably listening in a browser or on Spotify or on an iPhone or an Android because we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on iHeartRadio. Imagine that. Uh, And uh, Amazon Music as well, if I'm not mistaken, or Audible, one of the two. I think it's both the way their platform works. but I don't want to waste any time with that. That we don't have to. Obviously you guys know that because you're already listening. Also don't forget to check out our socials. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. I'm on TikTok. <laughs> that is Nick's Nerd News on those. The Nick DeFalco on TikTok. Make sure you guys check me out there. But. Uh, you know we always post fun memes. Or stuff What's what's going on with the show. For that week. Uh, that way you guys can get a fun little preview. Other than that. What uh, what else is going on? Well, why don't we stop wasting time and get right into the news, shall we? Let's head on over to the video game desk. Alright, so let's waste no time. Let's get straight into Horizon Forbidden West Burning Shores. That dropped today. It is the new DLC. It's about 18 gigs. It is PS5 only. Uh, if you guys weren't already aware, uh, it's to add clouds. That are not super noticeable. There is one storm cloud though that has a storm bird flying around in it. So that that is I guess worth the PS5. A- anyway. The addition is quite large. It is, of course, the area of Los Angeles, including LAX, which is strange because it's not very obviously they condense space around in the game, right? You go from like Utah to Colorado in like two minutes in the first game. So and like San Francisco, you know what I mean. They condense maps, right? Obviously. But this comprises of the L.A. area. It's burning shores because it has a fun mix of both like lava and the ocean. Uh, famously, L.A. has the La Brea Tar Pits. And of course, the great 90s movie Volcano, which I love. But I know not many people do. L.A. has a tenuous relationship with fault systems and... And things like that, so it makes sense. They added f- technically, technically four new machines, right? One of them is the the Horus m- machine. That's the those are the big war machines that are um, dotted around the landscape in both games. They tend to have these large tentacle arms. You never actually we've never actually fought one in a game. Uh, you will fight one in this DLC. I haven't gotten to it yet, but that is technically one of the new machines. Another new machine is a new fly flying mount. Uh, they are called water wings. They are similar to the sun wings, uh, but this time they can fly and both swim underwater, so you can ride them in both instances. And then the other two machines they added one is called a, a bile gut, uh, so they are like a almost like a toad, and uh, obviously they have poison uh, effects. Uh, and they also launch these like egg type canisters that launch the Sting Spawn. That is my issue. That's the one machine I'd have my biggest issue with in Burning Shores. It is the Sting Spawn. It's essentially like a, a small flying little machine. And it's like they they could have added something really great to go with the coast. And they, they kind of dropped the ball personally. Especially with it being like water based. I get the frog. I get the water wing. But I would have added another. Not amphibious. But like a full on water one. Um, Obviously they don't really have full water creatures. But because they've added a boat and things like that. And with the water wing they could have. And I was thinking they should have maybe added like a ray. Like a manta ray machine. Would have been really cool. If you ask me. Um, But that's not important. The other thing. The story's fun. Uh, It brings a Far Zenith character in. Uh, Far Zenith, of course, are the people that escaped the uh, destruction of the planet a thousand years ago and have still lived, and they're the ones that drive the story of the second game. So, it revolves around his character. Obviously, that's why you go to L.A. But, I'm having, like I said, a ton of fun going back into the world of Horizon. The weapons feel smooth. The, the other one thing I will say about playing on it, with it being PS5 only, you can finally sense the true power of the PS5 on this game. I, I noticed it in the opening cutscene, if you will, with Silence, RIP, uh, Lance Reddick, but the character models popped way more on the DLC than they did in the main game, and I don't know if that's just optimization, what, we're almost a year later, or if it's because it's PS5 only right now, and... They they didn't have to focus on PS4 model modeling or anything like that, so that that's a huge plus in my opinion on that. Uh, like I said, they did add a boat, so that way you can travel around more because they add a, a few new elements in terms of traversal and uh, and I don't want to say enemy types because they didn't add like I said they only added those four machines, but uh, one of the uh, it's it's a weapon kind of or like a defense mechanism that the Far Zenith character sets up. So you can't really fly everywhere all the time, which again hampers the game because they 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 touted flying both in the main game and this one, and then they still limit your your flying capabilities in general. but uh, they did add some new mechanics that I very much enjoy and then they added some new mechanics that I very much hate. So there's new things you can do with your like pole caster, which is essentially your your zip line type deal, your your rope, um, I can't think of it right now, the, the real name. But, you know, where you, you hook something and it pulls you up. that A pole caster is what they call it in the game. So I'm going to call it that. And they added a new move where you can, like, n- tie down a machine with a rope caster. Use your pole caster to swing up and then do, like, a, a critical hit on it. But what I don't like uh, is they added a new feature for climbing. And it has to do with, like, geysers that you can, like, ride up with you, either your Sunwing or, like, your, your Shield gig. I, I don't care for it because it's a little clunky and it's a pain in the butt, especially when it's dark out in the game. Uh, and then also, like, a new thing where it was you have to run and hit X real quick again to jump again and again and again, like, over, like over different platforms. And it's, it's annoying because the areas they give you aren't super big. So you can't really build up the sprint right if you're not angled a certain way. And Aloy kind of jumps haphazardly sometimes, even if you do the button inputs properly. So that, that's my issue there. Overall, though, it is a great addition to Forbidden West. If you have played Forbidden West and you are playing on PS5, I highly recommend you get the Burning Shores DLC. It is great. In other major news, gaming-wise, we have... Uh, learned that Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League has been delayed, what is it, uh, almost nine months. So it was expected to release this May after several delays. It has now been delayed to February of 2024. This is a massive, massive delay. Understanding given new constraints regarding, you know, COVID protocols that have been in place for Several years now, and I don't mean that as they're following restrictions. I'm just saying they're adapting to their new, possibly remote work style, um, things like that. So it's gaming development has changed a lot. Uh, Do delays mean this much? Not necessarily. Um, What does this mean for the game? I wonder if it has to do with the the major, major negative reactions from the, the state of play that was given, what, a month or two ago now on the game um obviously they can't overhaul the entire system because that would be a several year delay but I'm wondering if what they're doing is polish and more to sort of get it to a state that doesn't rely so heavily on on um uh, a season pass or things like that and I, I don't remember who it was, but but there was an article I read that they said something's like, it is a game, live service game that came out after live service has already been dying, and obviously, again, game development takes time, so when they started it, live service was a hell of a thing, and it was going strong, and now it's like, nobody really wants live service games anymore, because they tend to be petering out, if you will, and they're not doing as well as everyone had hoped. And the only one that's still going strong is is Destiny. And even then, Destiny's been facing some uphill battles as of late. So, it's understandable for them to maybe make some, some changes. I don't know what's possible in nine months, though. We'll see what happens. But, again, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League has been delayed by Rocksteady until February of 2024. Um... Here's some cool news. This is the second time a game developer has ever been listed on Time's 100 Most Influential People list. Uh, Elden Ring creator Hidetaka Miyazaki uh, has been included on Time's list for 2022. Um, Microsoft has announced that they're looking at finding a way to have Windows handheld mode on Steam Deck. What that means for gaming, I'm not entirely sure. Does that mean like game uh, Xbox Game Pass on the Steam Deck? I know that's something they both, I think, have ex- expressed interest in. I'm sure Phil Spencer and Gabe Newell have had conversations in regards to that. So, I am not entirely sure how to report on that. But it looks like they're working together to try and get something going. Uh, we also got a new trailer for Tears of the Kingdom, uh, the new Legend of Zelda, obviously the sequel to Breath of the Wild, was that last week, or was that this week? Uh, but the new trailer dropped, a lot of new gameplay was shown off, a lot of new areas were shown off, it looks like it is a, obviously we know it's a direct sequel to Breath of the Wild, but based on information that we've, we've, me, uh, not me, obviously, I, I didn't really fully watch the trailer, but... From what I've seen on different news sites including IGN, Kotaku, things like that, they're, they're guesstimating that Tears of the Kingdom takes place several years after Breath of the Wild uh, based on what the regions look like, how Ganon appears, things like that. Uh, Sony ha- held a state of play on Thursday for Final Fantasy 16, showed off companions, showed off different fights. Uh, Armors, how the game will look and play and feel and things like that. So if you're very excited for Final Fantasy XVI, that is all available for your viewing pleasure online. Anyway, Nintendo's been in the news a lot this week. And it's mainly for them being Nintendo um, and being very litigious, as many people are aware. But... They have looked like um, they have sued and won in a case involving a a ROM website. Um, Obviously, that's where you can go and download ROM versions of old Nintendo games to play in like an emulator, things like that. Um, They have uh, D-Storage, which I think I've used in the past, has been ordered to pay Nintendo 442,750 euros in damages. Uh, This is via gamesindustry.biz. Paris Court of Appeals has ordered D-Storage, which equals, that amount equals about 484,000 US dollars um, to Nintendo, along with an additional 25,000 euros for legal fees. And uh, that's funny. Um, Nintendo had asked them before to take it down. They didn't, which obviously led to this, um, they've also they also sued uh, Rom Universe in the past and got $2 million in that instance. Um, so this is not the first time they've done that. But this isn't the only time uh, they've won in a legal battle uh, in regards to getting money. They have also, uh, we've also learned that the notorious Nintendo hacker whose name was Gary Bowser, and I'm, I'm not fucking with you, his name is Gary Bowser... Uh, he's been released pr- from prison, but he still owes millions of dollars to Nintendo. Uh, he was ar- arrested and sentenced in 2021 to 40 months in prison uh, and was charged a $14.5 million fine as being part of the group Tame Executor for hacking Nintendo. Um, yeah, that's it's all restitution he has to uh, pay back. So, they essentially were part of a hacking ring that sold chips uh, to allow you to play pirated games on Nintendo Switch. So, it's, it's, uh, that's really funny. Um, Other, the other people involved obviously were uh, Chinese nationals. Um, They weren't ever brought over to the U.S. Bowser was charged with 11 felonies, including wire fraud and other things. Um, he pled guilty to two of the charges, was originally sentenced to $4.5 million fine, and then later $10 million fine uh, with the 40 months in prison. Um, this is, uh, he was moved around to different prisons. He will be sent, being sent home to Canada. He is Canadian. Uh, he did get out of prison early for good behavior, but he does owe, like I said, the fourteen. Point five million dollars. He says in an interview with a podcast, he's only been able to pay off one hundred and seventy-five dollars worth um, from working in in the prison library, obviously. But his pay will be docked um, for forever. Essentially, Nintendo said that uh, they would only dock twenty-five percent to thirty percent of his pay to be docked. Um, that's uh, really really crazy don't get in bed with companies like that in china folks because they're not going to get extradited and you might and you will face the consequences for it um that's wild anyway so he'll be paying that forever uh in in an opposite news of nintendo being litigious this is one that might get them in hot water with their community um obviously with the ongoing war in ukraine right now a lot of companies have pulled out of Russia or ceased doing business in Russia altogether. Uh, Nintendo is one of the few that didn't fully pull out because of prior commitments, and obviously they didn't want to hurt their 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 fans in in the country. I get that, hundred um, percent. You don't. Yes, sometimes you have to punish the people uh, as long as it's not in ways that hurts or kills them. Obviously, this isn't the nineteen forties anymore, uh, but. You know, if you got people playing Switch, don't take that away from them because it's their escape from reality, right? I, I get it, and I don't get it at the same time. It, it's a very complicated issue. But, it looks like Nintendo is getting in bed with a someone who is considered con, controversial. Um, so, via Comersant, which is a Russian news outlet, uh, and translated via Eurogamer. So the sale of metroid prime remastered in russia was done via a company called Ach- achivka and it was it was people were surprised that it got released because nintendo had essentially all but pulled out of russia before its release and it looks like uh, achivka is owned by someone named yasha hadashi hadaz uh who is the he- head of nintendo russia right so Little kind of backdoor deals there, um, but before this, his import business in 2018, he was uh, apparently verbally. He was caught on film verbally abusing um, people in a Russian Mario Kart stream, um, and he was caught in other videos abusing uh, employees, making inappropriate remarks, uh, especially to women. Um, Nintendo had been investigating him, but nothing had ever come of it. So, it looks like Nintendo kind of swept under the rug and has kept him around a bit. But, it looks like they are continuing to work with him to get stuff into Russia as a backdoor channel. Uh, Eurogamer has been reporting. So, while Nintendo goes after some people that do wrong, sometimes when it's in their interest, they don't. Which is capitalism at its finest, folks. It's, uh... Every company's guilty of it, but unfortunately Nintendo has a lot of big, has a Yoshi egg on their face in this particular instance. But, not entirely, because, like I said, it's a Nintendo-focused day. The Super Mario Bros. movie has crossed the $700 million mark globally, making it the number one video game movie in terms of ticket sales it has passed the warcraft movie has passed several others the the super mario brothers movie is the number one video game adaptation of all time a lot of people are screaming doom and gloom if it passes the billion dollar mark because some things win and some things don't Uh, if anything it proves that if you adapt the game straight up for the most part Right? Obviously, the original Mario game didn't have a story other than Rescue Princess Peach. But if you you adapt the story, f- for the most part, and, and leave it mostly untouched... Obviously, they, they made some changes in the movie. Hey, guess what? People will like it, and the movie will do well. I guess, right? Look at that. Interesting. Obviously, a second one will not be far behind it. Um... Blizzard has announced that after the two betas this past month, they will make and implement changes based on player feedback. They will, not, uh, they will not let those feedback concerns go unheard. They have promised to implement those changes as best and as quickly as they can before it releases later this year. Uh, a lot of people are concerned switching to Blizzard's counterpart Activision. A lot of people are getting concerned about issues in Call of Duty. Uh, Season 3 is out now in uh, Warzone 2.0 and Modern Warfare 2. And there is a new battle pass that comes with it, obviously. But there is some issues with some of the cosmetic items that have been released. Apparently they have advantages. uh, Opening the door to play to win accusations. So, in a new cosmetic bundle uh, that dropped in, in Season 3, it is called a DMZ Boost uh, that comes with it, which is for the DMZ mode, which I have not personally played. But, it is a $12 Bomb Squad bundle. gives you a skin for the Fender, a Sakin MG38 LMG Blueprint, an active duty slot, a sticker, and an emblem. Uh, PC Gamers reporting, though... That the boosts that the bundle provides in DMZ, which is the extraction mode, is, is, I guess. Um, if you put this skin on, you get a medium backpack and an LMG cooldown that's shorter than all the other LMGs, like Machine Gun, which usually have a long cooldown. Um, which is an advantage. So, a lot of people are, are buying it, obviously. Uh, and... They're accusing it of play to win. I can totally see that because that is not something um, that is not something that should be present in a battle pass. This is why people were angry at battle passes for so long, right? Because it introduced play to win models. Look at what happened with Star Wars Battlefront 2, right? That was a shit show. Um, But because it's a certain mode... I can see where the argument could be made that it's not necessarily play to win. Uh, if it was in regular Warzone, yes. Huge, huge, huge issue. Um, I haven't personally played War DMZ to know. So I, I can't speak to what the cooldown effect is or how it affects the gameplay. Um, but again, if it, it does help with a light machine gun, it's going to be a big fucking deal. Because light machine guns are heavy. They slow the character down. They take a very long time to reload, which I'm guessing what the cooldown is, is the reload time. So if that's what it is, it's tantamount to cheating. Um, so if, if that's truly what it is, then it, it's a, that's a big fucking no. That's a big, big fucking no. Get the hell out of here with that. So let's hope it doesn't continue. In what could be some of the biggest gaming news this week... Sega has bought Rovio, famous for Angry Birds, for 775 million dollars. No word yet on what they plan to do in in with Rovio or anything like that. But that is a major, major acquisition um, on Sega's part. Obviously, it's nowhere near the billion-dollar deals that have gone in the past for Bungie or for Bethesda. Obviously, the Activision Blizzard deals almost $80 million, right? This is a big deal for Sega to purchase Rovio. Um, and it, it could be mean that Sega mobile games are on the way. Who knows? Uh, the, new, the new Pokemon anime had its first episode in Japan, and it already showed off a new Pokemon... That is expected to drop in the new DLC for Scarlet and Violet. Which, that's, that's wild to me that they, they didn't announce the Pokemon sooner. Obviously they knew it was going to be in the anime. But other than that, it looks like it's tied to the new, um, one of the new legendary Pokemon shown off for the second DLC coming uh, later this year for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. So... Uh, moving over to the Halo franchise real quick. Uh, last week, we learned that Joseph Staten was leaving Xbox um, and 343, obviously, and uh, heading on to new greener pastures. Well, we have learned that he's actually going to be joining Netflix and their gaming uh, arm to be the creative director for a new AAA multi-platform game. Yes, Netflix is making a trippy, triple A multi-platform game. Um, Which makes me wonder, why are they wasting their money on that uh, when they're losing subscribers and things like that, and uh, then going to take password sharing away from everyone? uh, Why don't you just not make games? How about that? Uh, (laughs) And Joe could have stayed at Microsoft. Um, But also, uh, he is not the only long-term former Bungie person to be leaving 343 in Halo. Uh, Frank O'Connor, the long-time, you know, franchise lead, uh, has left 343 as well. I wonder if that was part of the massive layoffs at, at Microsoft recently. Um, he's been with with Halo. I I, I I I can't say Bungie because obviously he left Bungie to go with 343 when it was formed. But he joined Bungie in 2003, uh, not long before the launch of of Halo Two. Um, I've actually met Joe Staten and Frank O'Connor at the same time at the Halo Outpost Discovery a few years back. I actually have a Funko Pop signed by both of them, funnily enough. Um, so it, it's funny that they they both left again, uh, or that they both left uh, around the same time, and I, I actually happened to meet both of them at the same time. Um, in the wildest gaming news this week... We've learned that uh, Battlefront 3, Star Wars Battlefront 3, and I mean the original Battlefront 3 that was in the works before the Disney sale and everything like that, from uh, this is uh, former Battlefront 3 developer Michael Barclay tweeted out, quote, I feel like it's been long enough now to come out and say Star Wars Battlefront 3 was going to be legit incredible and the fact it got canceled Two yards from the finish line is an absolute crime, unquote. Yes, we've seen leaked footage and dev stuff. That means this was being made by Free Radical. Uh, This was in 2008 it was being made, so years before the Disney acquisition. It was literally ready to come out. Um, Someone tweeted out, quote, All right, game dev folks, what's your one that got away? It can be an IP you wanted to work on, a studio you wanted to work for, anything of the sort, unquote. Um, Barclay is a lead designer at Naughty Dog now. Um, He also followed up with, quote, Gamers don't know what they were robbed of, unquote. Ugh, that makes me so, so frustrating. So frustrating that it was not released. Um... In 2012, Free Radical co-founder Steve Ellis had claimed that Battlefront 3 was "quote 99 percent done." Unquote. Um, Lucas Arts went out against them, um, but it 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 uh, it's it's sucks that um, it it sucks uh, uh, that it it almost didn't come out right. Uh, the game, the Lucas Arts employee said, "quote This 99 percent complete stuff is bullshit. A generous estimate would be 75 percent of a mediocre game." Unquote. That's a wild claim to go against them. Um, I, I, it would have been so fun if Battlefront Three actually came out. Um, it would have been so great. I wonder if, if, I, hopefully one day we get the real truth about it, and and I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know, but if that's all true, I'm very, very sad. Um, I think we found out why Hogwarts Legacy doesn't have Quidditch in it. And that's because a new Quidditch game was announced. Uh, Harry Potter Quidditch Champions has been announced by Portkey Games. Uh, you can sign up for playtests that actually start this Friday. Uh, no word yet on release date or anything like that. But it is a multiplayer online game that is essentially Quidditch only, and it's got more of a uh, cartoonish art art style from what I can tell. Obviously, all they released was a trailer that doesn't feature any gameplay, but I think this is this pretty much confirms as to why we didn't get Quidditch in Hogwarts legacy that that is this seals the deal on that one. Uh, the showrunners behind The Last of Us say that they expect The Last of Us to be on HBO for quite a while, even beyond Season 2. Given the numbers for Season 1, I, I wouldn't be shocked if that ultimately became true. Uh, if you're unaware, the Sonic the Hedgehog movies are getting a spin-off show on Paramount Plus uh, uh, surrounding Knuckles. It will feature the return of Idris Elba as Knuckles in the show. Uh, But we've also learned that Rory McCann has uh, joined it, has joined the show, um, and uh, several others uh, from the movies. uh, And that will premiere on Paramount Plus sometime in the future. Uh, We've also learned that Niantic is going to be heading to another monster collecting universe uh, for its next game in monster hunter uh, are we are they just gonna call it monster hunter go like that would make the most sense i would think um no word on a release date or anything like that but they will be heading to the monster hunter franchise for their next game uh speaking of, of niantic and and pokemon go and let's shift back over to regular pokemon so, it looks like... So, if you guys have been around Pokemon as long as I have, which I'm sure a lot of you have, it's been around for almost 30 years. The original artwork that Ken Sugum- Sugimori drew... drew uh, he, of course, is the original artist for all of the Pokemon... The, the original 251 Pokemon. Um, the original artwork has always... If you look, depending on where you look or see it, it's always different colors, it doesn't always match. Uh, it turns out that the original artwork that he drew in Japan for Pokemon Red and Pokemon Green was never properly translated. Uh, "translate" is a weird word, but it was never properly uh, uh, scanned or shown off in the U.S. And we've learned uh, that the original scans of all this artwork have been uploaded online um, to uh, Pokemon archivists are sharing it. And it's it's essentially showing how they were always supposed to look. This was uh, Lutu on Twitter shared it saying, quote, Accurate scans of the original 251 Ken Sugimori Pokemon artwork to archive in high quality, unquote. The scans are wildly more accurate to what we know Pokemon look like than what was always published in magazines or the the guidebooks or on, on certain stickers or different um, game-adjacent material, right? They always looked off. They always looked like they were a, a shitty photocopy that didn't get all the color, right? They almost looked like they were washed-out images, and and now it, it looks like it was true, Um like, I, the, the case in point is, on one of the guidebooks, there's an image of either uh, uh, red or blue or someone, and then some other Pokemon, and they just, it looks like there's way more white in the ink and the coloring than there should be, and I always just thought that was the art style, like it was a, um, like watercolors almost, and in reality it wasn't, and and we've been robbed, essentially, of what these things were supposed to look like for the last 20 seconds. 27 years, um, those are out now for you to look at and see how different the quality is, which is wild to me that we've we've had to wait this long to see it, which, which always made me wonder why the... I, so I have a lot of Japanese cards, and it always made me wonder why the Japanese cards, the Pokemon, look so different. I think we finally have an answer. It's because whatever was brought to the West was just they were washed out and it, it funnily enough, an article or the the article I'm reading does call out the gold and silver guidebook, which I do own as, as one of the culprits of they, they look like they were photocopied, N- not photocopied, like flash photography picture and all the color is just zapped out. Um, which I'm happy that we finally get to see it. um, just wrapping up gaming news here. Uh, Square Enix is still going full steam ahead on Web3 style games and things like that. Despite the world over kind of being anti-Bitcoin and, you know... Bitcoin. I don't know why I chose Bitcoin. But blockchain stuff, uh, NFTs, and Square Enix just apparently didn't get the message. Because... They're partnering with Elixir uh, with the intent of, quote, generating visibility and adoption of Web3 games among traditional gamers, unquote. I don't know if they know this, but Ubisoft tried this and failed spectacularly. I I don't know what you're doing over there, Square Enix, but you might want to stop and slow your roll before you get too deep. (laughs) And the final bit of gaming news, uh, Resident Evil 4... Remake and the PS5 Led US charts in Gaming and uh, Surprisingly not really Hogwarts Legacy continued To be in the top selling games But that is it For gaming news today Let's head on down To the boob tube to television Land and see What's going on inside The box (laughs) Alright, here we are at the TV desk. What's going on, huh? Well, with all the commotion over the Harry Potter reboot that was announced uh, last week by Max uh, from Warner Discovery, obviously a lot of people are upset given recent comments and and stances taken by J.K. Rowling. Um, Obviously people are allowed to have their opinions. Uh, when they're not based in reality, though, that's that's a bit of an issue. Uh, obviously, it's a, a tense issue considering the subject matter. I'm not going to wade into those waters. That is not what Nixner News is about. Um, but I think, based on how I'm going to report this story, I think you'll you'll know where where my stance is in regards to the situation. Um, I'm not saying you're wrong or right, um, but in regards to the Harry Potter fandom, I, I think uh, her stances kind of fly in the face of things that she has fought for and stood for in the past. And that that's that's mostly the biggest reason why the fandom has been in such an uproar as of late in regards to J.K. Rowling uh, and her involvement with her franchise, right? Obviously, I I'm starting to think that Warner Brothers has a lot more control over it than 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 Joe Rowling does. Um, from my understanding, I've learned in, in the past that she's quite militant when it comes to uh, how people view her characters and things. I've I've heard reports. Uh, I, I can't say how true this is because I this was obviously in like a comment section in a blog post somewhere. but she would pretend to be a fan and go into message boards and like argue with fans. About things in the books. And I'm like. Who does that? But. <laughs> given the whole situation. And and obviously. issue The fandom. And, and one of the reasons they're making the show. Is because. Uh, Rupert Grint. Daniel Radcliffe. And. Uh, uh, Emma Watson. Have all kind of taken an anti-JK stance. In recent years. And they didn't want to come back. For an eighth film. Or ninth film. But. HBO Max, HBO and Max CEO Casey Bloys, um, kind of brushed off everything. He's 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 quote called it a very online conversation unquote. Uh, this was a and A um, from Warner Brothers that Variety did, and obviously pe- people asked him about it. He said quote No, I don't think this is the forum. That is a very online conversation." Very nuanced and complicated, and not something we're getting going to get into. Our priority is what's on the screen. Obviously, the Harry Potter story is incredibly affirmative and positive and about love and self acceptance. That's our priority. What's on screen? Her insights are going to be helpful on the upcoming series. Unquote. Um, so it's, yeah, I wonder what, um, I wonder what's going to happen with all that. I I wonder. I wonder how this is all going to play out. Uh, Obviously, there's no there is no release date. Obviously, people are very love the films. They love the franchise. They love the fandom in general. So it's it's rare to see. Like I said, I, I said this last week. It's it's rare to see such a reboot in such a quick amount of time on a major major franchise like this um, to go back and tell it over again. So we'll see how that all plays out, ultimately. Uh, The Writers Guild of America has agreed to uh, possible strike. Um, So we haven't had a writer's strike in the U.S. in Hollywood in, I want to say, maybe 15 years. Was the last one, um, and uh, this is ninety-eight percent of them, which is which is wild. I'm, how how often do you hear of a, a, a trade group or trade organization where ninety-eight percent of them agree to something? Uh, via the Hollywood Reporter, ninety-seven point eight five percent of eligible members have voted to approve a strike. Um, this is nine thousand two hundred eighteen of the members, um, which wow. Uh, since May 1st, there was a deadline set. Uh, th- look, when I say this, it doesn't mean the strike is a go. So what it means is... Um, it means it gives them a little bit more more bargaining power to go to the studios with. Um, they actually... Uh, 96% of them voted to authorize a strike in 2017. Obviously, as we know, there was no writer's strike in 2017. But... Um, there was no work stoppage as well there could be a work stoppage though in this instance um it allows the the leaders of the WGA the writers guild of america uh like i said to have a little bit more sway in negotiating with uh for contracts in terms of pay and and what they get and things like that uh when it comes to what the studios have to give them um the WGA put out a statement saying quote you have expressed your collective strength, solidarity, and the demand for meaningful change in overwhelming numbers. Armed with this demonstration of unity and resolve, we will continue to work at the negotiating table to achieve a fair contract for all writers, unquote. Uh, the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, um, which is on the other side, so it's essentially two unions going at each other, um, said that... Uh, They put out a statement saying, quote, a strike authorization vote has always been part of the WGA's plan announced before the parties even exchange proposals. Our goal is and continues to be to reach a fair and reasonable agreement. An agreement is only possible if the Guild is committed to turning its focus to serious bargaining by engaging in full discussions of the issue with the companies and searching for reasonable compromises, unquote. Uh, So that was from the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. Um, They bargain on behalf of the production studios, essentially. So, um, it will we'll continue to uh look at follow this obviously. A, a work stoppage is a big deal because that pretty much means all production in Hollywood stops, it stops completely. So, anything that gets made is stuff that's already been written that was never produced if they do that. Uh, so the last strike it looks like, oh, say like 2007, so just over about 15 years ago. Um, and uh, was a hundred day work stoppage. I remember that because like there's no new episodes of stuff, and I was like, "What's on TV? <laughs> Expect a lot of reruns. And if the strike goes through, I'll be able to c- catch up big time on uh, on a lot of my backlist for sure. Well, hopefully, hopefully we avoid that. Uh, George R. R. Martin has opened up about the new Game of Thrones spinoff show that was announced uh, based on the Duncan Egg novellas. And uh, the, the, the first season um, will be working off, uh, they're going to call it A Night of the Seven Kingdoms, The Hedge Knight. And Martin wrote on his blog that it will be based on the first novella, Dunkin' Egg. Um, supposedly, it's, he said, quote, Duncan Egg sounds like a sitcom, Laverne and Shirley, Abbott and Costello, Beavis and Butthead, so no, we want knight in the title. Knighthood and chivalry are central to the themes of these stories, unquote. So it's not a sitcom. Don't think of it that way. Um, he also said, quote, HBO has given us a green light to film for a full season, not just a pilot, most likely of six episodes, though that is not set in stone and won't be until considerably later in the process, unquote. Um, the, they will be based on the novellas that were The Hedge Knight, The Sworn Sword, and The Mystery Knight, um, there is a, a, a collection of all three. Uh, it takes place about a century before the uh, the main Game of Thrones novels. Uh, the first season will adapt to The Hedge Knight and go from there. Um, he also said... Look. I, 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 He says he has more of them planned. He said, quote... There are gulp more of them than I had once thought. There's the village hero and the Winterfell story, the one with the she-wolves, and maybe I need to write the Dornish Adventure too to slip in between the Hedge Knight and the Sworn Sword. And after that, there are uh, more. I just need to finish the Winds of Winter and then do either a Dream of Spring or Volume 2 of Fire and Blood and slip in a new Duncan Egg between each of those in my copious spare time. that will keep me ahead of Ira and his Mercy crew for a few more years, unquote. George, finish... Fucking Game of Thrones, sir. Finish Winds of Winter, then the, the, the whatever the spring one was, then worry about Fire and Blood and Dunkin' and Egg, dude. Like, come on, man. Finish the Winds of Winter. You said you were going to be done with it like two and a half years ago. And that includes like two years of you not being able to travel or go to any cons. So, if you have writer's block, just admit it, George. Just admit it and stop promising the book. Just Just admit it, dude. Please. Make everyone happy. Um, Let's head on over to the future, though, as we've gotten some new Star Trek news. Uh, Today, a new trailer for Strange New World Season 2 dropped, which features the return of Kirk um, and the Enterprise crew, of course, taking place 10 years before the first episode of the original series. Uh, And we also learned that the planned Section 31 show... That they were going to write, which would be a spin-off of Discovery, just like Strange New Worlds is. Um, it's weird to say spin-off, but in Star Trek, because they're all the same. Uh, but it is now going to be a movie for Paramount+, and it will star Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh will return to play Philippa Georgiou in the Section 31 movie uh, that will take place, I'm guessing, between Season 1 and 2 of Star Trek Discovery. Um I do want to go back to Strange New Worlds though real quick because it looks like they are ditching the god-awful Klingons that Discovery gave us. And I'm a very, very happy camper because of that. Um, Very happy camper. We'll talk about Star Trek Picard in just a minute. Uh, Netflix. We got some more Netflix news. It looks like Netflix uh, is... Going to uh, really crack down on password sharing, especially in the United States This later this year, they've said. Uh, during a shareholder report, they said, quote, In Q1, we launched paid sharing in four countries, and we are pleased with the results. We are planning on a broad rollout, including in the U.S. in Q2. Unquote. I think this is going to backfire for them immensely in the United States, if you ask me. Um, Netflix, the, the tweet that gets shown all the time from Netflix, it said, quote, love is sharing your password, unquote. Now, I get it. They're losing subs. They're losing money. But cracking down on people is not the way to do things. Um, obviously they're running a business. I get it. They have shareholders they're beholden to. I understand. Do I agree with it? No. Um, but... We'll see what happens with that. Uh, especially given their failure to host their second live event ever this past weekend. Uh, their first live event, which was the new Chris Rock stand-up special, went off without a hitch. When they start tried to do the live reunion for Love is Blind 4, it ultimately got delayed for hours and ended up premiering like late the next day or later because it, something happened. Um... Netflix has reassured people that they do have the ability to broadcast live. There was just a bug, quote-unquote. Not sure what that means. Uh, Paramount Plus may be working on a Galaxy Quest show. Uh, It's apparently in early development. Now, does this... Alan Rickman's passed away, unfortunately, so you wouldn't be able to have him back. Um, Would it be... Here's my question. Is it meta and would it be like a reboot? Would it be obviously it has to be meta, because that's what Galaxy Quest is, right? It's funny that that Paramount owns the rights to it now, uh, since it was a spoof on Star Trek and DreamWorks released the movie back in the 90s. Um, would it be a sequel? Like that that's my question. And and would you get Tim Allen back? Do you get Sigourney Weaver back? Do you get uh uh Tony Shaloub, like do you get all these people I, I'm sure it's doable but what what's the gist apparently the original director or writer of the film is executive producer obviously it's super early development but if they do move forward I would hope it's it's keep it stays in that meta vein um, and given what the the Trek Renaissance right they could totally do something like that with Galaxy Quest if you ask me. I think it would work right if they did it right. Um, The voice actor of Professor Oak, James of Team Rocket, Meowth, and Gary Oak, uh, is retiring from voice acting. Uh, James Carter Cathcart uh, has throat cancer and uh, will officially be hanging up the mic uh, and will no longer be voicing characters. Obviously, his stint as those characters on Pokemon came to an end when Ash's story came to an end, so uh, I'm not entirely sure what other programs he was in, but I'm sure he was in a lot. Um, Adult Swim has announced that the Venture Brothers are finally getting a movie, and it will premiere on Adult Swim later this year. The first trailer was released. Uh, Lionsgate TV is working on a Twilight show. Jesus Christ, that franchise needs to go away. So... That's it for news. Let me talk about some reviews of some TV episodes that dropped this week. Um today we got Power Rangers Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Once and Always. Um and that was essentially the 30th anniversary special for for Power Rangers it, it is a continuation of the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Um David Yost is back as Billy Cranston. Um and who uh, they fight off Rita Repulsa, Repul- and, and you know, they, they bring back so Billy, Zach, Cat, Rocky, and Trini's daughter because Trini gets, uh, unfortunately killed off in the, the opening sequence. Um, it, it, hence my, yeah, 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 my shitty, city, shitty, like voice acting sound. Of what they sound like when they pretend to be fighting in the costumes, right? But first off, it is there's a reason Power Rangers is for kids. It's because they film it in a way that's so cheesy and like low budget. Um, it's obvious that they did this with this new special as well. Uh, it's glaringly obvious the characters are are really not in the in the outfits. I mean, in the past, we knew that because they used Super Sentai, which was a Japanese show, and then just filmed American actors uh, as the characters for for certain sequences. But obviously, they're a lot older now and not as in shape and doing flips and things like that anymore. But if the dialogue is oh god, it's so cringy. Um, you'd think it. Yes, it's in glorious 4K. But you'd think it was filmed in, like, 94 with the show. Um, <laughs> but seeing the Megazord in, in, like, computer animation, you can kind of see how limited it was back then. Um, Alpha 9, I think, they're on in this one, and he's not even, like, a robot as much. He's literally just a, a person in a, like, a... A vinyl suit with stuff attached to make him look like a robot other than his robot head it, it but the biggest thing is the absence of major characters tommy isn't in it and yes jason david frank did pass away this was filmed before that but he had distanced himself himself from the power rangers franchise despite being in heavily involved with it since the beginning um They hint at other characters. They hint at Bulk and Skull. They're not in it. Uh, Obviously, we're missing... um, Austin St. John got arrested, so he couldn't return as Jason as uh, the Red Ranger. Amy Jo Johnson declined to return, so she wasn't Kimberly. They got uh, Catherine Sunderland um, to come back. No, wait, no, that's not the actress's name. But the the other Pink Ranger. So, but those are big glaring things. Uh, the other big thing is obviously the original actress who played Rita in the Super Sentai show that they used to bring over. She had passed away, so they, they could only use the voice actress, so they made a robo-Rita. Um, they bring back other... First off, you bring back a character that Brian Cranston voiced in the original show, but you don't get Brian Cranston back to voice him in the special... Like, really? I'm sure he would have done it. The dude's like a stand-up guy and actually has fun doing that. Um, but again, it's glaringly obvious because A, you're missing Goldar. Huge villain to not bring back with Rita. You're missing Lord Zed, who I know has popped up multiple times over the course of of Power Rangers history. Uh, Jason David Frank not being there as Tommy. Big, big, big thing. Um, the CGI wasn't great for the the when the bad guy gets blown up by Rita and then again again with the Megazord it looks nice but it doesn't look nice at the same time. It it was it was fun because it reminded me of my childhood, but at the same time some things are just not meant to be revisited unless they're given a major attention to detail and this one was it, looked, it was obviously not filmed in the U.S. The budget, it, it, it felt like a sci-fi movie, like on the sci-fi channel. It, that's how low budget it came off. And for it to be on Netflix, it just, it it's, ugh. it sucks. But, but, I will say this. The Megazord looks a billion times better than the Megazord in the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. So I will say that. Um, but if you're a big Power Rangers fan, just watch it. Maybe bring your kids if you have kids. Just Or just try if you're a Power Rangers fan. I wouldn't go out of my way, though, if you're not a Power Rangers fan or you haven't watched Power Rangers in 30 years legitimately. It's probably not for you. <laughs> I'm just going to say. I watched it for you, so you don't have to, essentially. Um, Star Trek Picard, though. The season finale uh, drops tonight at midnight. Uh, It's already been, it was, uh, had like a movie theater premiere at several theaters around the U.S. So that's probably hitting Reddit. I do want to talk about last week's episode, though. The D is back, baby. They gave us the D, the fat one. Those are all very sexual innuendos. But no, the Enterprise D made its triumphant return, um, as was hinted at earlier in the season, obviously. And they faithfully recreated the bridge, which looks amazing in HD. And seeing them all on the bridge again, I teared up a little, not going to lie. Um, they brought all the sounds back. The Enterprise-D, the, the, Enterprise the Galaxy-Class NCC-1701D looks amazing, amazing in 4K HD, uh, computer-generated images, um, using official terms. Uh, No, it it looks gorgeous. And hearing him say uh, engage, whoo, whoo, chills. But anyway, that's that's towards the end of the episode. Uh, Obviously, the Borg are back, which everyone, it's funny, I've been on the Reddit the last few weeks, and everyone's like, I hope to God it's not the fucking Borg. I hope it's not the Borg. I hope it's not the Borg. I was kind of feeling the same way, but it was the Borg, but they did it in a great way. That I don't think anyone saw coming. Um, the Borg have essentially, uh, uh, why can't assimilated the entire Starfleet, uh, almost the entire Starfleet, using transporters to hack their their genes. So they don't they don't necessarily get them with nanobots with nanoprobes like we're used to, but they got pretty much anyone under the age of twenty five, um, with These, uh, some kind of genetic code that they stole from Picard's brain. Which turns out he didn't have Aromotic Syndrome, if you guys know TNG. uh, And turned everyone into Borg. And the wild. They've assimilated Starfleet, their goal. Uh, We got the return of Alice Krieg as the voice of the Borg Queen. Which we have not seen her since uh, First Contact in the 90s. Great to hear her voice. And we also got the Enterprise F. Uh, it is an Odyssey class starship. It was designed uh, via a fan contest for Star Trek Online. Actually, we've never seen this this the Enterprise F or the Odyssey class on screen before, so it was amazing to see in, in great detail. Um, and then we learned what happened to the Enterprise E. Apparently, Worf did something with it, and the jokes they make about it are hilarious. Um, but we lost our our our. The great Captain Shaw, very upsetting, dipshit from Chicago. You, you, you hated him in the beginning and you came to love him towards the end. You know, Todd Stashwick, they need to find a way to bring him back if this Star Trek legacy that everyone's been clamoring about actually happens. Um. But very exciting. Uh do-do-do-do-do. Um I'm hoping, I wonder if we're going to get an Enterprise-G this week on the finale tonight. I don't know. We'll, I'll talk about it next week. Let's talk about the Mando season finale though. Because I know a lot of people have considered season 3 to be very disjointed. I've liked pretty much all of season 3. We finally have our big face-off on Mandalore. And for most of the episode, I was loving it. Loved everything about it. Um, Din has a great opening fight in the beginning. Grogu gets to hang, uh, do some things. Despite getting a mech suit, he doesn't do a whole lot still. Um, Boba did not show up, surprisingly. I thought he actually was. Uh, Axe Woves, who I thought was a spy, along with the armor, turns out they weren't. They get some epic fucking awesomeness. Axe Woves pilots the... Arcitons class by himself, and takes on some of the imperial fleet that goes to attack him. There's an epic like jetpack battle with Mandos and the armor just wrecking dudes left and right with her hammer. Like it was fucking cool, man. That was cool. The fight with between Mando and Moff Gideon is intense, and then Bo Katan comes to help. That is great. Uh, Bo-Katan fighting Gideon with the Darksaber. Epic. Um, and what I don't like, though. Mythosaur, Mythosaur got 100% wasted. Again. Um, like, why are you teasing us with that? And then we only get small glimpses of it. Uh, Din Grogu. Really? Really? I <laughs> the, Like... I, I don't know, man. Uh, what I hated, though, to be honest, and it, it really put a damper um, on the whole episode for me, was the the, the straight-up ending with, you know, Din and Grogu getting a, like living on a, a house on the prairie on Navarro. Like, that was fucking stupid to me. I'm sorry. Everyone's like, oh, it's so wholesome, so good. Like... That just, like, I maybe they're trying to retire Din. I get it. That's fine with me. But don't do fucking that. Like, have them zooming off in the N1 or something, dude. Having them sit on a fucking farm, dude? No, dude. I'm sorry. That was stupid. That was really fucking stupid to me. I hated that. The, they could have ended it with him interacting with Tarson Keva or... No, Carson Teva on the, like, New Republic base in the bar and him getting, like, the... I do not like them ending it on the little House on the Prairie. That's all I'm going to say. Great fucking episode until then. It honestly killed it for me. And I'm being a butthead fan right now, and I know that. But that Prairie, House on the Prairie thing, just so, so dumb. So dumb to me. Otherwise, the whole episode was fucking amazing. With all the different stuff they're doing with the Mandalorians and the jetpacks and the fighting. And the Imperial stuff. And Moff Gideon. But that House on the Prairie shit ruined it for me completely. Anyway, before I waste more time complaining about that. Let's head on down to Hollywood, shall we? Well, here we are in Hollywood. Well, movie news anyway. Um, the producers and casting directors involved with the Bond franchise have come out and said, don't don't expect a young Bond. They, they don't think it would work. Um, I kind of agree with that. I, I don't want a old Bond, but I don't want a young Bond. You kind of want someone in the middle, right? In their... 30s and their 40s you don't want someone at the beginning of their career uh, you don't want someone towards the end because then obviously the the time frame on that isn't long but yeah i i agree you you don't want a young you don't want a young james bond i i that makes sense to me um elijah wood has called out the new lord of the rings movies and is hoping that they are not just money grabs and that they stick to tolkien's vision Come on, Elijah. Don't kid yourself, man. Um, despite rumors, the Oppenheimer film from Christopher Nolan will not be delayed, despite releasing on the same weekend as Barbie. Um, two different audiences, people. Two completely different audiences. Um, the Jonathan Majors drama has uh, ramped up just a bit. Um, his. PR team uh, has dropped him. Um, His talent manager has dropped him um, following his charges from last month. Uh, Apparently more accusers have come forward via Deadline. Uh, Entertainment 360, his management, said, quote, Issues surrounding the actor's personal behavior, unquote, have led to them dropping him. Um, uh, Deadline also reports that he is no longer going to be starring in The Man in the Basement. Um, and as well as an Otis Redding biopic. Uh, Variety has reported that more victims have come forward um, that are working with the New Manhattan DA. Um, His attorney, though, Priya Chaudhry, said, quote, Jonathan Majors is innocent and he has not abused anyone. We have provided irrefutable evidence to the district attorney that the charges are false. We are confident that he will be fully exonerated, unquote. This is starting to become a bigger issue for him. And while I still reserve judgment, it's starting to look like he may actually be guilty. Um, I don't want to say that because innocent until proven guilty. And I know that it's going to start being a major deal for Marvel and the House of Mouse. So uh, luckily Kang is one of the few villains that could be easily recast. But again, um, I'm not, I'm gonna reserve final judgment, but with evidence stacking up and if it is true, it's not a good look for him. And he was able to skirt by for quite a while. Um, if it turns out to be false, th- that will make me very happy And I'll be happy that um, he was falsely accused. However, court of a public, court of public opinion is completely different and it could be Regardless of how it turns out, it could be the end for him, which is also very unfortunate. Um, But again, we'll see how everything plays out. Uh, James Gunn has shared that Superman Legacy has entered pre-production. That means concepting, costuming, uh, he's turned in somewhat of a draft, it looks like, on the film. Um, We're still two years out from it coming out, but they will start drafting everything up now uh, on Superman Legacy at DC, uh, Scorsese's next film has been given given been given a uh, runtime at three hours and twenty six minutes, making it his second longest, uh, just three minutes shy of being the same time frame as The Irishman, uh, and that will drop on Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus. It will premiere at the the Cannes Film Festival late next month, um, and it is based on a book. It is starring uh Leonardo DiCaprio Netflix is ending DVd.com Netflix has announced the DVD rental business their DVD rental business is shutting down. Uh, remember this is what put Netflix on the map. this is how they got started um, after more than 20 years DVD by mail program will be ending. Um, the last DVD, will be sent out on September 29th, 2023. Um, it is entering its quote-unquote quote final season. Uh, they put out on Twitter, quote, On September 29th, 2023, we will send out the last red envelope. It has been a true pleasure and honor to deliver movie nights to our wonderful members for 25 years. Thank you for being part of this incredible journey, including this final season of Red Envelopes, unquote. Um, God, I remember getting those. Uh, yeah, it's it's funny. Reed Hastings leaves and then the DVDs go away. Um, they'll be obviously taking returns until the twenty October 27th. Um, you will stop getting billed in August. Um, wow, people have, you can have both DVD and streaming still. That's wild. What I want to know is what's going to happen to all those DVDs and Blu-rays? Like, are they going to have like a fire sale? Um, that, that'd be cool. Get some deals on movies. They won't have their cases, but, um, they have not un- said how many people are still subscribing to dvd.com. Um, but that's, uh, it's revenue plummeted from 200 million in 2020 and 21 to hundred million last year. I don't know if that, oh, that's. That's the DVD rental. The fact that they're still getting $100 million a year from DVD rentals is wild to me. Um, but yeah, end of an era, folks. No more red envelopes. That's what started them. I remember when streaming started, to be honest, on Netflix. It was only some movies, wasn't great. You did it on the website. It's crazy. Uh, Ron Reynolds has opened up about Deadpool 3, saying that. Uh, Hugh Jackman will have, quote-unquote, something completely new. Uh, he said, following up with that, he said, quote, I think he was ready, I think he was excited. What we pitched him was enough of a div- of a divergence from the character that he knows the character and that he's left behind that it gives him something completely new to play and something that he's really excited to do, unquote. And that is in regards to playing Wolverine in Deadpool 3. Um, I... It will be the first MCU movie to be rated R, as we all know. Uh, it is expected in theaters November 2024, so I fully expect production to begin on that movie soon. Uh, Hugh Jackman actually put out a video recently of him like getting back in shape to play Wolverine, so that's exciting. Uh, and then a couple things dropped today teaser-wise. Uh, we got a new trailer for Fast and Furious uh, showing off them bombing Rome. Uh, we also learned that Louis Leterrier will return to direct the Part 2 of Fast 10. Because Fast 10 is getting technically two movies. So, there's that. Um, and then we got a new teaser for the next movie in the MonsterVerse franchise. It will be called Godzilla X-Kong The New Empire. Uh, it is releasing sometime in 2024. Showing off a new ape character with red paint on their face. They seem to... And then the skull of both Kong and Zilla, uh, excuse me, Godzilla. Zilla is a different kaiju, um, but it looks like this will show them teaming up together. Uh, I, I don't know if it's Godzilla and Kong, Godzilla X Kong, Kong, um, Godzilla vs Kong two. Like how do you say the X right? Like I know in anime like Hunter X Hunter is actually just Hunter Hunter, so I I don't I don't I don't know. Um, that's it for Nixner News this week, though. Thank you guys, as always, for listening week in, week out. Make sure to check out the website. Make sure to follow us on all your fun, fun, fancy places uh, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok for the Nick DeFalco. That's my personal TikTok. Uh, follow Nixner News on your social media platforms. Make sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice iHeartRadio, Amazon Music. Uh, we're on. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, of course. Uh, We're on all of them. So you guys can't miss us. Thank you again week in, week out. This was 2.58. Um, And uh, I will catch you guys on the flip side.